Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Karen Stefano, author of the collection The Secret Games of Words. And I'm here this evening with Robert Vaughn, author of Addicts and Basements. Uh, how are things in Wisconsin, Robert? Things are great, Karen. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had a wonderful day here. It was sunny. I had a chance to get outside and do some exercising, which I love. And, um, yeah, it was beautiful. How is San Diego for you? Uh, spectacular and perfect, like it is every single day. So, Oh, um, that sounds yeah. so nice. Yeah, it was terrific. Um, but I want to dive right in and um, ask you some questions about your wonderful book. Um, the, fir the first thing that I want to ask you about is the way the collection is structured. It's, it's, it's unique in the sense that there's the attic section, there's the ampersand section, and then followed by the basement section. And it's, it's really beautifully executed. And I was just curious as to how you came up with this very creative structure uh, for the layout for, for the pieces. Well, thank you for your curiosity. Um, yeah, the structure came about very organically, as I would say a lot of the collection did. Um, it started with uh, my idea about having sections, and initially it was attics like upstairs, you know, the top, top floor of a house, and basements. And I had been doing a lot of pieces, not even planning, but they were organically coming out as basement-themed kind of pieces, dark and... Um, a little bit off, you know, just something about them that were just on the edge of creepy. And um, at some point, I came up with the idea to kind of play the twist on the word of addicts being upstairs and make it a, addicts about addiction, because this was sort of a sub-theme I noticed also over the past three to five years that was really creeping up in my work. And the ampersand thing really came um, out of, I, I'm a part of a local roundtable in Milwaukee, I was um, attending one of the sessions, and I just was kind of lamenting about the fact that I felt like everything was split. They were either going into the A or B section. And very, very kindly, Beth, who's also in the group, said, really in a sweet voice, well, why don't you just throw something into the middle, <laughs> like right in the ampersand? It was that simple. It was just an encouraging comment from another supportive roundtable member, and it just was like a light bulb went off. I went, oh, how easy, and it really freed me up in a sense, to put anything that I felt was not a part of a thematic thing and as a possibility for that center section. So that's really how it kind of came up. Yeah, that's, that's, I love that story. I'm so glad I asked you that question because it's, it's, it's funny how, um, how things just come together in, in our books and it's, it's like just a, just a simple, encouraging remark like that can be, have such a have such an impact on on a work. It's it's wild. It I really does. Yeah, and one of the things I have to ask you because um, one of the things you, that you know we can let our listeners know is that you and I had the great privilege of actually being a part of an online workshop together where we I knew a lot of um, the Secret Games of Words pieces. I was so fortunate to have you know at least first or second read on many of these stories. So. One of the things I want to ask you is backing up even further, and um, I knew you 
a little bit prior to when the collection came out, like a really well-rounded um, short story, essayist, someone who had dabbled in a lot of different type of genres. Can you give me a little bit of backstory to what brought you into the um, shorter fiction or flash fiction realm and how that, you know, how you came into that? Well, um, yeah, um, I've always been drawn to short fiction, um, just just as a as a reader and as a writer. I think it was natural for me to start with sh- with short fiction rather than tackling uh, a novel, which I'm doing now. Um, it just it just seemed something that was doable um, versus insurmountable, and then. Um, Frankly, Robert, it was um, it was Meg to it um, who kind of introduced me to the to the form of Flash, and I had never written a word of Flash in my life until 2013, when you and Meg and Len Kuntz and I um, did our um, you know our story swap weekly, and for our listeners. Um, what we did is we, the four of us would take turns giving a prompt. Sometimes it was a visual prompt. Um, sometimes it was just one word. Sometimes it was something else. And then within one week, everyone else had to generate a completed piece, not to exceed 500 words. And then we'd have another week after that to, to critique. And, and so the, the, the wheels just kept spinning for, for about a whole year. And uh, and that was really my my introduction to Flash, Robert. And so, um, uh, it, yeah. So it's it's it, it's funny to be talking to you about um, this collection because so many of the pieces, certainly the Flash pieces in there, uh, were generated uh, through through our little um, online online workshop. Yeah, that's fantastic. And. I, I have such fond memories of that particular workshop as well. And also, I have to say, too, you probably recommend, rec- recognize a certain aspect of the work in Attics and Basements because I, I know uh, a good portion of those were also culled from that, that workshop that we did with Len Kuntz and Meg to it as well. So, yes, yeah. kudos to them and to you, and that was wonderful. And to you. Um, yeah, and I, I said recently um, – I. I did an interview with the Fox Chase Review, who did a review of my collection, um, and I I really kind of gushed over the sense of satisfaction that that I had that year in embracing flash pieces because it takes me so long to complete something. I just had such an immense sense of satisfaction to complete a piece, um, even if that piece didn't end up going anywhere. And certainly, um, as, as you, you have to know, um, a lot of them, uh, uh, you know, were kind of dead on arrival. Um, and, um, and that's the great thing about having uh, um, really loving yet honest readers um, who, who have no qualms about telling you, yeah, this what were you thinking? This isn't working, and which you guys told me on on more than one occasion, very lovingly, very with great encouragement. But, um, but yeah, that's like I said. I mean, you guys probably deserve some kind of editor's credit on this book. The the three of you. Um, so 
So let me ask you about a couple of pieces um, that I don't think I'd seen before until I got my copy of Addicts and Basement. Uh, and basements, and one of those um, it's, is in the addicts section, and it's a story uh, which I love just because of the title, Cadaver Chris. Um, uh, and this, I was, I, I wanted to ask you about this piece, um, and the the second piece that I'll ask you about in a minute, just because they were both so visual for me. Um, I, they, they really, really appealed to my visual sense, and I think that's one of the, one of the great things about your writing. But what was, what was the inspiration for Cadaver, Chris? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, I have had the good fortune of only once really having a corporate type of job and it happened to be in Darien, Connecticut, of all places. And so I used to ride Metro North from Manhattan, uh, which took about, I would say, depending upon which train, but it took a, around an hour and 15 minutes one way. Yeah. The lovely part of that was I would be dropped off in this little town of Darien, which is, you know, the next town up from Stamford, Connecticut. So it's still kind of in corporate land. And... um I would walk all the way from where the train would drop me off down this Tokenique Road, which is this country little road to the actual headquarters. And often, um, you know, they, everyone says, wow, you're on a train, you get to write. Woohoo! You know, like this whole thing, like you have all this free time, it frees you up. Well, the truth of the matter is uh, I probably wrote maybe 50 or 60% of the time, which was good. Oftentimes... Dropping in was tough for me on a moving. I'm not a real great uh, writer in motion. So what I would do is character sketches. And the first version of Cadaver Chris, it was literally a journal entry, was just an observation of a typical corporate guy who I didn't go up as far as Bridgeport, so I sort of extended the trip because that's further along the line in Connecticut. And it's, it opens up with Bridgeport Stinks, which I'm, I'm sorry, Bridgeport people, if you're listening, I don't mean it. <laughs> but but the, the truth of the matter is I was trying to typify someone who was working the sort of job that I felt at odds with himself for most of his life. And then I just kind of heightened every sensory aspect. Um, as you, you already know, but maybe some of the listeners don't, I dabble in both genres of fiction and poetry, and I draw from the well of poetry to go with sensory things. And so I made up a lot of the details of this poor Chris fellow's backstory and current theme from from that well, from the, the surrounding aspect of what it was that was not working in his life and how much he just had this uh, vehemence about himself. And that it was almost toxic. It was like spoiling out into the club car that I was sitting in. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, well, you. I mean, you. You do a beautiful job of 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 capturing that. And it, it's interesting in reading this piece. One, it's it's a it's a flash piece. You pack you pack so much in in so few words, and I I find myself. Hating Chris, I mean, all of us have known or come into contact with a cadaver Chris. Um, so on the one hand, I, I, I sort of hate him, but you do a great job of 
you know, showing how, you know, pathetic and, and sad he is and how sad his, his life is. Um, and, you know, just the, the last two sentences, Chris does the work of an army. He kills off any possibilities of intimacy within 2,500 yards. Um, it just, it, it says, it says so much. And just in the course of reading very few words, you know, my, my, my orientation toward this obnoxious person is completely turned around. So, so bravo on that, on that one. It's just, it's, it's just a great piece. And those of you who are listening who haven't got this collection, um, you're going to have to get it just so you can read Cadaver Chris. Um, oh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, well, I want to ask you about a particular piece also in Secret Games of Words. Um, Obviously, so many of these pieces are – I've read this collection numerous times. I am so, so amazed at your ability to put words together. And um, one particular piece, uh, toward the middle, maybe toward the second half of the middle of the book, is called Swoon. This piece um, really, really s- smacked me when I read it. I I loved the um, the idea – of this strange encounter that becomes even more heightened. I love the idea of, again, your sensory details, the descriptions that you use of the bulbed cage in a hexagon of blood-red glass. Um, I love your your italicized um, way that you um, have cataloged one another him, you, and you, him, and then your mm-hmm. entrance out. I don't want to. I don't want to give this away. But your your last three or four sentences in this piece, maybe five, I, it just is. It left me breathless. And I want to ask you a little bit. Um, can you divulge in a little bit of what went into this story, or any backstory that maybe informed this piece for you? Uh, yeah. Um, I I can. Um, uh. For, for better or for worse, uh, this story falls into the category of taking some of the most god-awful moments of real life and using it as the seed for a story. And um, so, uh, like many women around the world, um, I was assaulted by a man with a knife It was an incident that fortunately lasted just minutes, and it left me physically unharmed, though though mentally was was a very different story. Um, I was very young when it happened, and it took me a long time to um, recover mentally um, and to, to feel safe again. And Honestly, um, to this day, literally 30 years later, I still have a visceral fear reaction anytime I hear footsteps running behind me. Um, so that's just that's you know a really interesting commentary on how the body remembers. But um, but in any event, um, I wanted to take those moments of of terror and to turn them on their head um, to mm-hmm. not focus on the terror aspect of it, but rather to focus on the the 
rawness, the stark intimacy of, of of sharing those moments with another human being, albeit, you know, a sick fucker of a human being who uh, clearly intended me harm. Um, and some people may take offense. Um, some people may take offense at my use of the word um, intimacy in this context. But as the piece shows, um, that that's really what it is uh, in this mm-hmm. story. Um, you're you're smelling one another's scents. Uh, you're smelling one another's sweat. Um, he's smelling my terror. Um, you're sharing heaving breaths taken together uh, while in an embrace of of sorts. And 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 so that was that was the genesis for the piece. But but again, I did really just want to take. Uh, you know the common, you know, the, the the most common denominator there, sheer sheer terror, um, and, and turn that upside down and look at the yeah. um, look at the event from from a totally different uh, angle. So yeah, and I think you did that brilliantly. I I love the idea of I don't love the idea of what <laughs> this piece was from. But, of right, course, right. but I do love the idea of taking anything that could have been perceived as completely fearful or traumatic and kind of, as, as our wonderful Emily Dickinson said, come at it slant. Tell it in a way that is unusual. And mm-hmm. that, I mean, I love your italicized part in that bottom paragraph of Swoon um, where you say, who has ever held me so close? I mean, that just stops you with that. And... And there's some truth in that. I mean, as harmful as this could have potentially been and as vulnerable as one would be, the bravery to explore a piece in this way really comes across, and I applaud you for that. I I think it's so um, clever and so skillful. Well, thank you, Robert. That means means a lot to me. Um, uh, Yeah, and it was – thank you for the bravery part, too, because – yeah, I mean, I, I definitely felt like I was taking risks on the page in approaching um, approaching it in this in this very um, backwards backwards way. So, so thank you. Um, I, I appreciate that that very much. So um, uh, now back to you. Um, I have another piece of yours. Um, this one in the the middle section, the and section, that I wanted to ask you a little bit about. Um, and this one's called Shadow World. And uh, and we were just talking about scent. Um, you use scent uh, heavily in this piece. And, and again, um, it's it's so visual for me, like all of all your pieces are. Tell me, um, I mean, I know as a reader, uh, Sarah Lipman and I kind of went down this road a little bit last week talking about her stories. But as a reader, you think you know what the story is about. And um, but it, I love asking the author of a of a piece of work, what is the story about to you? Yeah, this I'm really grateful that you selected this because I am not really sure what this one's about. Um, I do know that at the time, <laughs> which is so great. I mean, I, I, I wrote it, yeah. did I? Um, yeah. You know, one of the that things could be about, about this, <laughs> yeah, 
I think um, in general, I'm sort of fascinated by death. And the narrator in this particular piece, there is a reference to last chemo, and there's um, a radiation comment, you know, somewhere through the piece. So there is something about holding on. And um, I think I'm at, I'm at this crossroads in my life where many people have either been survivors of cancer or they have um, not been able to beat it. And I I felt like I was wrestling with that in this piece, um, this idea that you're probably not someone who wants to go to this party full of people that are artists, and there's a reference to a sibling who always meets these people and gets off on it and all that. But but somehow you're there, and this guy wanders up, and he's spackled from head to toe, and you know he goes on and on about this. And I think all of the imagery that I used as it sort of drifts into this netherworld, otherworldly kind of place is me playing at um, fantasy or... Um, or some sort of other style of fiction that goes off in some place, and I'm hoping a reader can kind of come with me. You never know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, playing with a little bit of, like, maybe it is the chemicals in this character's head. Maybe it is a little bit of, you know, leaning your head back against the cabinet and feeling some other life that one's lived. Um, I I don't know. I was I was playing with this concept of going somewhere from the scene that would – take us into an alternative universe slightly and and so that that's re- it was experimental and i and i feel like i i think a lot of the pieces especially in the ampersand section of the book play with this concept of like what can i get away with how far can i push this aspect of what is fiction um and are there rules can i can i break the rules um so i think that's going on in this piece too yeah, well, and I think I think you do break rules in this piece, but you but you you break them well. Um, you you certainly execute, uh, you, you know, your rule breaking strategy very well. And um, t- toward the end of the piece, the narrator um, drops into that nether world, and th- the way you've crafted this, I as a reader felt felt myself drifting drifting there too um so so you know uh label yourself a rule breaker robert because <laughs> you, you did it and, and and you did it really really um well so um uh, and with that i mean i want to i want to shift and ask you now civil coping mechanisms was your publisher for this collection right Yes, they are. Civil Coping Mechanisms yeah. published the book in February of last year, so 2014. Okay. And, and I understand um, that you've had a pretty wonderful experience with them as your publisher. Is there, is, is there anything that you can tell um, people listening who, who um, might want to shop their book um, with CCM um, about, your, about your experience? Yeah, I think Michael um, Michael Seidlinger is the the publisher. He's the head editor at CCM, and I I just think he's a really really straight up guy. I mean, he is the kind of person who um, he what he tells you is what you get. You know, he is he is not to mention the fact also the fact that he's very enthusiastic about writers and re- promoting writers in general. He's also a, a writer himself. And one of those kids, like our friends Bud Smith and some of these other young guns, who are extremely well-published, you know, he's yeah. prolific. 
But in his spare time, he runs this press that I think, um, I do think for one of the independent younger presses, it really has a great future. Um, he's published, uh, he's published both fiction and a, a little bit of poetry. Addicts and Basements was one of his books that was hybrid. Um, he tends to publish a little bit more fiction, but he's also sort of heading in the direction of um, YA books. I think he's um, looking to do a little bit more of hybrid work. Uh, he also runs an open um, contest that he calls Mainline, um, and I believe it starts up pretty soon, sometime um, like coming up in the next week or two. But you can check the Facebook page of CCM. It's an open competition for anyone to submit manuscripts, and he reads a ton of them with a bunch of editors, and then they pick like the t they narrow it down to like the six finalists, and then they pick the top one or two, um, and they publish them. So I. You know, he's got all these things going as a publisher, and I just I admire him for his support. He is the real deal. He did a beautiful job with the layout and design of Attics and Basements. I was blown yeah. away. Yeah. It's, so, it's, yeah, it's, I, I, I admire what he's got going. And let me ask you about your press, Karen Stefano. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Stefano. Let me ask you about <laughs> one glimpse. You, yes. One Tell me about glimpse. that. One Glimpse Press is um, my own creation. Um, it's an imprint that I created solely with the intention to put together uh, theme-based anthologies, uh, the first of which will come out uh, uh, next year, just in time for Mother's Day, and um, it will be... And the theme will be, of course, um, mother-daughter conflict stories, my favorite. Um, and so, and so, hence the hence the Mother's Day uh, uh, release date. Um, but uh, so, so yeah, it's um, it's an it's an interesting choice that I made um, to to kind of go it alone, so to speak, uh, and to use this platform to publish my own book. Um, a lot of people uh, tried to steer me away from doing that, um, saying that I should that my work was good, hold out for a bigger publisher, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but I didn't I didn't feel comfortable doing that, and um, I didn't send out the collection to a single press. I I wanted to do this my way, uh, and and I did, and um, now I'm doing my best to promote it my way and I, I just it's it's my baby and um I, I i think that there are a lot of people who have not had as positive of an experience as you've had and i think that there are some i mean certainly not all there are a, a many many great indie presses out there um but I, I think that there are a lot of people I think who get in over their heads, and um, and they're really really well intentioned, and they accept a project for publication, and then the publication date slips, and then it slips again, and then it slips again, and um, I just you know call me a control freak, but I just I just was not I just was not up for that for this project, and so. Um, so yeah, so that's the, so uh, this is the first of what will hopefully be many uh, uh, projects for One Glimpse Press. That sounds great, and I would I would prefer to call you smart and brilliant. <laughs> and I think I think um, 
You know, I, I admire what you've done with this book. First of all, I know you talked with Sarah last week on the show about the design, so we won't get into that. But those of you who are listening, when you get the book, it is so impressive. The cover, the way the layout is, the font, it's beautiful. Um, and then, of course, the work, well, I mean, you just have to read it to believe it, but it is, for a debut collection, it's stunning. And you did an exceptional job, I think, all the way around with the with the um with the layout, the design, the story content, um, all of it. I, I think it all is brilliant. So I can I, I think it would just make me look forward to whatever is coming next from One Glimpse Press. Oh well, you're you're so awesome. Thank you so much for that. That means that means uh, a, a lot to me because because yeah, like, like I said, I mean this is this is my child. So um, it's like it's like complimenting someone's baby. <laughs> so um, yeah. so I appreciate it very much. Um, so um, we've been talking for about thirty minutes now, but before I let you go, Robert, I just want to ask you um, one more thing because um, I'm not not letting you off without hearing uh, a little bit about this, but I understand that you have a new spectacular project underway with uh, the incredible Kathy Fish, and I was just hoping that you could um, tell everybody listening in a little bit about it and how it came about. Sure. Um, Well, I'm, I'm blown away. Uh, the project, the working title is called Rift, and it's a collaboration with Kathy and I. Um, for, just quickly, my first orientation to Kathy was um, when she was one of four chapbooks by all women from Rose Metal Press, um, and I, hers, uh, the it's it's the title is called A Peculiar Feeling of Restlessness. I really, if you want to get into short fiction. In addition to getting Karen's book, do get the Rose Metal Press book. It's phenomenal because you get a taste of Kathy's, you know, brilliant work there. Um, the understatedness of it, how how the twists happen. I, I was already a fan, and then I just started to see her appear in all these different publications, and then I got yeah. both of her collections. So I've always been a huge fan of hers. She was somebody mm-hmm. that I put in the category of mentor, mm-hmm. um, and then we met. We met her together in 2000, early, earlier this year in Santa Fe. Um, Meg Tuit, once again, brilliant Meg Tuit, um, was the host of a reading, and all of these people came in for it, and Kathy was there, you were there, other friends of ours, Len Coons and, and so on, were there. So I had the chance to meet her for the first time in real life. She did blurb one of my, um, my second book for me, so I'd, I've had a bit of online contact. I will say that, too, to readers. If you admire someone's work, let them know. You know, yeah. send them an email. Send them some yeah. sort of, like, you know, just it's so important to, to cross that bridge and, and not keep it to yourself. And Kathy was so gracious right away. She's the most humble person on the face of the earth. Yeah. Basically, what we're doing with Rift is um, similar to what you were talking about in terms of our workshop. Kathy and two other writers, Michael Maxwell and Bud Smith and I, are doing an online uh, weekly prompt, kind of throw our piece up and get really solid feedback. And when we got back from Santa Fe, we had an offer from Unknown Press, which is run by Bud. He ran the idea by me first, and I, I, honestly, I honestly said, I don't think Kathy's going to want to do it. 
And, you know, of course, then by the end of the week, he came back with, uh, Bud came back to me and said, she said yes. So the interesting thing about this is it's very organic. We really don't know what we're doing in terms of how the pieces will fit. I'm flying to Denver in July, later this month, um, next month, to be able to sit down with her. Um, it's also for a reading that's happening. But to sit down with Kathy at that point and say, this is what I have, what do you have, what do we see as a fit? What do we think in terms of layout? Um, and then by the fall, we'll get a better idea or sense of how big the book will be. And then uh, hopefully we're targeting a December publication. So, so that's Sounds, that. Sounds great. Well, um, you're an experienced collaborator, and uh, you're a terrific writer, and Kathy's fantastic. So um, I'm I'm excited. I can't. I can't wait for that book. So, oh, um, thank you so much, Karen. And you talked with yeah. Sarah about a book, but are you working on anything um, writing-wise outside of a novel right now? Do you have anything going on? Short well, I have. Um, I don't have anything. Um, I have no work in process in terms of short pieces. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm working on the novel. I have a draft of a memoir, which is been uh, definitely put to the to the back burner until the novel's done and frankly robert i i um, I'm in full shameless self promotion mode to get the word out about the secret games of words and then working I completely full time. get it <laughs> yeah yeah I think everybody who who's had a book says yeah I get it um, yep. Uh, so I'm just I'm just not getting that much uh, button chair time, and uh, um, and I'm and I and it and it makes me sad because um, I just that's that's the part of this that I really really love um, that I'm that I'm telling myself to calm down and enjoy this process and um, and soon enough. Um, things will settle down and I'll be back in my chair and I'll be working on the next project but um it's 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 going to be a little ways away before before uh, that that gets done but um like like they all are it's a it's a labor of love so sure absolutely uh, it is yeah, and so well, Robert. With that, I guess it's time that that we sign off. And um, I want to thank you for having this discussion with me. I love talking to you. I love hearing what you have to say about craft and how your uh, pieces uh, uh, came about. And um, and I want to thank everyone for listening in. And I hope that you all have have enjoyed it as much as I have. Karen, thank you so much for asking me to be a part of your success. And mm. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for um, sharing with me, even just about Swoon, I love hearing what, what went into that story. Um, please, everyone listening in, get the Secret Games of Words. Um, get it as a gift for someone that you love. This is such a great book, and I really, really value all of um the interaction that you and I have every single time we connect, Karen. I love you so much. <laughs>